This is the Relic Radio Show, old-time radio entertainment still standing the test of time from RelicRadio.com. On this episode of the Relic Radio Show, our hour of radio drama begins with Box 13. We'll hear The Philanthropist, his story from March 26, 1948. After that, it's The Sixth Shooter and General Guilford's Widow, his story from April 8, 1954. <laughs> Box 13, with the star of Paramount Pictures, Alan Ladd, as Dan Holliday. Dear Box 13, care of the Star Times, if that there ad of yours is on the level, if you'll go anyplace, do anything, I'll be waiting for you at 3 tomorrow afternoon in the park. I'll be sitting on one of the benches near the lake... I'll be sitting on one of the benches near the lake. And you'll know me because I got red hair. That was the letter written on the back of an old handbill. Poor Red. I wonder if he would have written a letter had he known what was going to happen. You know, I think maybe he would have. And now, back to Box 13 and Dan Holliday's newest adventure, The Philanthropist. Mmm, it's sure dirty and all full of finger marks. Ah, Susie, don't be a snob. I'm not, Mr. Holliday, but it's very evident that this person isn't too particular. Why, Susie, you went through a whole sentence without shifting gears. Oh, I can be careful of my renunciation if I want to be. Oh, Susie, you had to spoil it. (laughs) Never mind, it's a fine day, so I'll be in the park by 3 o'clock to see what Red has on his mind. It was just 3 when I turned into the park. The benches by the lake were pretty well filled, and I looked around for one that was being held down by a person with red hair. And I saw him. (laughs) Susie must have been psychic, only she wouldn't have pronounced it that way. Red was dressed in a suit that must have had a tentative date with a pressing iron maybe 10 years before, and didn't keep it. If he had ever shaved, the shock had been too great for his face, and he had stopped. His red hair bounced out of his head like wires, and he was eating peanuts. Good afternoon, Red. Huh? Oh, hiya, chum. Mind if I sit down? It's a democracy, ain't it? Drop, chum. You, uh, you wrote to Box 13, didn't you? Huh? Oh, yeah, yeah. He gave me the once-over, but good. He seemed to be satisfying himself that he'd want to talk to me. He must have checked an okay, because... Uh, that end of yours, was it on the level? On the level, Red. How'd you know my name? Hunch. I have an intuitive sense for names. Oh, yeah, sure. Okay. Uh, Peanut? Oh, thanks. Gotta pick them up fast before the pigeons snag them. <coughs> What's the matter? <coughs> Nothing. Say, uh, how comes a guy like you sticks that ad in the paper? Uh, adventure. I use the plots for my fiction, if they're any good. Oh, you're right, huh? Well, that's my bread and butter. Tough racket? Uh, sometimes. Yeah, I guess. But you make a lot of dough? It all depends. How about you? <laughs> I'm retired. Oh. <laughs> what's on your mind, Red? Uh, what's your name? Dan. Dan Holliday. Uh-huh. Okay, Dan. Uh, Peanut? Uh, no thanks. Okay. 
And Dan, I want to know where my pal is. Your pal? Is he missing? Yeah. Uh, we left Shy together. Then the yard bulls cut a fast clip on us and we were split. In other words, you were separated by railroad detectives. Yeah. Best way to keep him being jugged upon a vague charge. Well, anyway, we're supposed to meet him in town. And he didn't show up. Yeah. I got in late. Had to stop off in Indianapolis. So I go to the place where Suki told me to... Suki? Is that his name? I guess. I never heard him say no other one. All right, and then what? Well, we was going to meet here at the Hope Rescue Mission. You know where it is? I think so. At least I know the neighborhood. Yeah. Well, I wait uh, one, two, three, well, five days. But no Suki. I get worried. I ask around. But nobody's seen Suki. Well, maybe he changed his plans, Red. Without consulting me? Mr. Suki wouldn't leave without me. We're pals, buddies. We've been hitting roads for five years together. Uh-uh. Something's happened to Suki. Well, what do you want me to do? Well, I thought maybe you could help me look for him. Well, look, Red, the police could... You kidding? But if he's missing, they can locate him for you. Ah, one bag missing ain't nothing, mister. Something bad's happened to Suki. Well, how do you know? Because one of the bows in the jungle said Suki was talking about a job. <laughs> that funny, mister? Look, Red, maybe Suki did get the job and... Then why ain't I heard from him? Maybe you will sooner or later. You ain't gonna help me, then. But what can I possibly do, Red? In a city this size is... Yeah, yeah, I get it. In a city this size, nobody cares none about a guy like Suki. Except maybe a guy like me. He pulled me out from under a freight once. Almost got it himself by doing it. I like Suki. We're buddies. Red stared out over the lake, and somehow a little lump came into my throat. Certainly, Red was no pillar of society, but he was a man. A human being, and Suki was his friend. For a minute, neither of us said anything, then... Okay, mister. Forget the whole thing. Sorry I got you out of bed. Oh, wait a minute, Red. Come back here and sit down. Huh? What for? I... I want to help you. Why? Well, I guess I like Suki, too. But you ain't never seen him. I don't have to. He saved your life. Risked his own. Now, what do you want me to do? <laughs> now, you're a topper, Dan. A good guy. Suki'd like you, too. Well, now, what's your idea? Well, Red had an idea that we could find out what became of Suki by going to the mission. But as Red put it, I'd have to dress differently. So that night, I wore my oldest suit. I helped it along a little by dipping it in water and letting it dry. Oh, yes, and I forgot to shave. I had something to eat, then went to meet Red at the Hope Mission. It was typical of the missions that do a great job helping, well, men who need it. It was clean, neat. And when I got there, the men were just sitting down to supper at a long wooden table. I was looking over the room when... Good evening. How are you today? Huh? Oh, uh, fine, thanks. You're just in time for supper. Sit down, won't you? Well, you see, I... Now, now, this is your first time here, isn't it? Well, yes, it is. That's perfectly all right. You needn't feel embarrassed or ashamed. Now, you come and sit down to a nice hot meal. Well, that's very nice. My but... name is Work, Mrs. Work. I superintend the mission here. Uh... My name's Dan. Very well, Dan. Now, just come with me. I followed her to the table. She made me sit down, then put a bowl of soup in front of me. I wasn't hungry. I There just you are, the... Dan. Now, just you go to it, and you'll feel better in a jiffy. Uh, gentlemen, gentlemen, this is Dan. Dan, these are my boys. Hello, fellas. Is the soup all right, boys? Oh, hey, oh, 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 oh
Huh? What'd you say? Something the matter? No, why? Eat the soup, then. Well, I don't... You, 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 you want to hurt her feelings? Well, of course not, but then I... Then eat the soup, bub. Look, I, I don't see how I can eat it when I just got... Look, the... look, look. you got to eat the soup, bub, and I'll show you how. Like this. <clears throat> it's easy, see? Now eat it. Okay, okay, you start, and I'll find the right key. There. Good, ain't it? Swell. Lou here, huh? Yeah. yeah. Where'd you pull in from? Uh, shy. Good town. Oh, swell. swell. You ain't eating the soup, bub. It's hot. Low on it. Okay, okay. Uh, see Red this evening? Red? Yeah, Red. Oh, Red. Yeah, he was here. Was? You mean he left? Yeah, he picked up a letter that was here for him. A letter? He picked up a letter? What are you, a spy or something? I'm a friend of Red's. Oh, well, he was here, like I said. He had a letter and beat it. Did you, uh, you see where the letter was from? What am I, the postmaster? Shut up and eat your soup. Okay, okay, but it's still hot. Well, I ate the soup, and I stayed in the mission until 10 o'clock. Red didn't show up, and that worried me, because I knew that for all his toughness, he was anxious and worried about Suki. Then when I decided not to wait any longer... All right, gentlemen, we're going to have our song now. You'll find the song sheets on the chairs. Well, I'll see you later. Where are you going? I, I got a date. It'll keep. You heard what Mrs. Work said. We're going to sing. But I've got to leave now. You're going to sing. You ate the soup and you're going to sing. What's the matter? You don't appreciate this, huh? Of course I do. I think it's a wonderful thing, but well, I... Well, then sing. Here's a song she didn't do. Now, we're going to sing number four. Everyone has a sheet? Can you sing loud? Deafening at times. That's good enough. And keep on key. I don't like sour notes. Oh, I'll try to be operatic about the whole thing. Well, here, hold a sheet up. Until we can get a melodeon, we'll have to do the best we can. All right, here's the first note. Now, one, two, three. Sing, Bob, sing. Right in the corner. sang, then I left. I wondered about Red and wondered about that letter. Was it from Susie? It wasn't until the next day that I got the joke. I was in the office when Susie brought me the morning paper. Morning paper, Mr. Holliday, and the mail from Box 13. Oh, thanks, Susie. What's new in the world? Not much, and only three letters for Box 13. One from a lady who wants to know if you take babysitting. Oh, that's too much of an adventure. Then there's one from a man who wants you to leave your brain to science. Oh, great. It's great. Uh, then here's one from a woman who wants you... Hey. Hey. What's the matter, Mr. Holliday? This item in the paper here. Accident. Rail yards. Vagrant. Killed. Description. Hair red. Susie, I, I've got to leave for a while. I'll see you later. So what? A vag gets killed. Uh, we get a dozen like that in the year. But look, Kling, I told you about Suki. Suki, Smoky. His pal yours was hitting the rods and he got killed. I that know, was... I know. It happens a dozen times a year. Sure. Now look. So Red got a letter from Suki. Suki told him where he was. They're pals. Red takes off to find him, gets tangled with You're her. forgetting one thing, Kling. And that's... Red had a lump on his head. So? I think he was slugged. All right, he was slugged. Got in a fight in the yards. Uh-uh, Dan. You're letting that box 13 imagination whip you around on the merry-go-round. This is just one of those things. Now I've got to go to work. 
Suppose I turn up something, Kling. Something that proves Red was killed by somebody who wanted that letter. Then I'll be glad to fill out your dance card. Until then, rumba by yourself. Okay, but I've got a hunch that Red was killed because Suki told him where he was. And I'm going to find out where. And why. And now back to The Philanthropist, another Box 13 adventure with Alan Ladd as Dan Holliday. Sure, I was going to find out where and why. It sounded a lot easier than it turned out. But I still believe the place to start looking was a rescue mission. I haunted it. Went back night after night, day after day, until finally my face was as familiar there as the surface of the floor. Then one evening... Good evening, Dan. How are you? Oh, fine, Miss Work. How are you? Splendid. Do you like it here, Dan? Uh, yes, I do. I've been watching you. Somehow, you don't seem like the others. Hmm? Why not? I'm no different from them. No, not in so many words. But, well... What's the matter? Dan, wouldn't you like to help yourself? Uh, how do you mean that? Oh, get a job, rehabilitate yourself. <laughs> you think I need it? All of us do, more or less. Now, there's a gentleman who's done so very much for the mission here. Here, contributions, furniture, lots of things. And? He's done quite a bit for other missions, too, I understand. I want to send you to him, Dan. Why? What can he do for me? I've sent other men to him. The ones I think are worth the effort. And you think I am, is that it? Yes. And what'll he do for me? If he likes you, he may give you a job if you want one. Uh, you say he gives jobs to other men from other missions, too? Yes, I believe so. Oh. Okay, Mrs. Work. I'll give him a whirl. Fine, Dan. Splendid. I'll give you his name and address, and you go see him the first thing in the morning. Maybe this was the lead I'd been waiting for. Red had spoken about Suki going to get a job. Okay. I looked at the name on the slip of paper Mrs. Work gave me. It was Philip G. Rockland. And the next morning found me sitting across from him in his office. Well, well. So Mrs. Work sent you, did she? Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Fine woman. Splendid. Magnificent work she's doing down there. Yes, sir, it is. In my own little way, I, I try to help as much as I can. Yes, that's what she said. Mm-hmm. Uh, how old are you, Dan? Uh, Thirty-two. I see. Somehow you don't seem like the usual type she sends to me. What is the usual type, Mr. Rockland? Oh, it's no matter. But uh, do you really want a job, Dan? Yes, sir, I do. Mm-hmm. For the wife and kiddies, eh? No, I'm... I'm not married. Oh, too bad. And then it's because you want to show your relatives that uh, that you can make a comeback? I have no relatives. Mm-hmm. That's what I wanted to hear. What? Well, you see, I never give jobs to men who have relatives. I feel as though I should be helping those who are out all alone in the world. I want to reach out and make men feel, well, that there is someone who cares. Do you see that, Dan? Uh, yes, I do. It's very generous of you, Mr. Rock. Oh, nothing, nothing at all. My own little contribution toward making this a better world. Well, Dan, I think we have just the job for you. But you'll have to leave town. Leave town? You mean the job's in a different city? Well, yes, it is. But don't you worry. I pay your transportation. Not first class, but you'll get there. And it just so happens... That you'll be the last one to to take this kind of job. It's all I have. I didn't like the way he said I'd be the last. Hmm. If this was a racket, what kind was it? What was Rockman Angle? 
There was no way to find out, so I went to the city he sent me to. It was far enough away from Rockland to be safe and close enough so that Rockland could keep his eye on it. It was the next afternoon that I walked to the address Rockland had given me and I knocked on the door. Yeah? Uh, Mr. Rockland sent me. Okay, come on in. Let me see the letter. Here. Here it is. Okay, follow me, bud. I followed him down the hallway and I took a good look at the place while I was doing it. I noticed something. It was one of those old brownstone houses and every window was barred. The bars weren't new. They'd been put there by the original owner. Hmm. Why should Rockland pick a place like this, then... Sit down a minute. Oh, uh, your name's Dan, huh? Yeah, 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 that's right, Dan. Had anything to eat? No. Okay, supper's in ten minutes. Go in and wash up. Uh, where? Straight ahead to your right, there's a big washroom. Then go in the room right across when you're finished. Sure, thanks. There were about seven other men in the room, talking, washing their hands, smoking. One of them looked up when I entered. He seemed to be expecting someone. Then when he saw me, he went back to washing his hands. I moved in next to him. Hiya, fella. Hi. Just come, huh? Yeah. Hey, what is this joint? <laughs> Softest touch in the world, guy. What's your name? Dan? Yours? Call me Suki. Suki? Yeah, why? You, you a pal of Red's? Red? Hey, where is he? Why didn't he come? I've been waiting for him. Red's got to get in on this thing. Red. Red was killed, Suki. Kid. What are you giving me? I told Suki about Red, but I didn't mention what I was doing in the game. When I finished... Red. Red killed. He was coming to meet me here. I sent him a letter telling him all about You sent him a letter from here? Yeah. We ain't supposed to do no writing or tell anybody about this, but Red's my pal. I wrote the letter and snuck it out. Suki. I think Red was killed because you sent him that letter. Huh? What are you yapping about? What are you... What are you talking... All right, you guys. Supper's on. Come on. Come on. I'll talk to you later, sir. Yeah, after supper in the sleeping room. Dan. Dan, you sleeping? No. Is that you, Suki? Yeah, don't light no match. Now, what was you telling me in the washroom? Listen, Suki. First, tell me what kind of a place this is. What do you do here? Much a soft touch. Oh, we do a sort of old magazines, and then we make it kind of... Well, we write down what's in each magazine, and then... You mean all you do here is index magazines? Yeah. We get to live here, board and room. Grub's pretty good, only... Uh... Only what, Suki? Well, we ain't allowed to leave. We gotta stay here. Only place we go out is in the backyard. I don't get it. I don't get it at all. Oh, what's the difference? It's a soft touch. We each get a couple of bucks after we fixed up ten magazines. And... What's the racket, Suki? What's the rank? I mean, none, but I, I... Hey, that's the nose counter. Make sure we're all in. I got to get back to my bunk. The same man who let me in came through and checked each bunk. What was the angle? I lay there watching, waiting, thinking. The moonlight filtered in through the bars at the windows, and suddenly I remembered something else. The doors. Big, heavy. Reinforced. Then the man came close to my bunk. I could feel him looking down at me. I must have looked as though I was sleeping like a baby. He walked on and out. And he locked the door after him. 
All of us were prisoners in that room. For five days, I worked like the rest of the men, sorting magazines, indexing them, a boring job that made absolutely no sense. And we were watched, but good. No letters in or out. Doors locked at night, windows all barred, two men watching us, checking us. And then one day, I was taken to an office, one I'd never been in before. Rockland was there. I've called you in, Dan, because there's a little formality to be gone through. Formality? Yes, the other men have gone through it. Uh, workman's compensation policy. We'll take you to the physical examiner this afternoon. It'll be all over in a jiffy. Oh, I see. Do I have to sign anything? Oh, no, 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 no. Everything's been taken care of. It's a matter of form, you understand. Oh, uh, sure, sure. Excellent, excellent. At two this afternoon, then. So at two that afternoon, I was given a physical examination. I passed, but I was beginning to get an idea. One that made me a little sick. Scared. That evening after supper, I got Suki to one side and told him what I thought. Oh, but you're crazy, Dan. You gotta be. They couldn't get away with anything like that. Listen to me, Suki. Every one of us here have been insured. Not one of us has any relatives. We've been screened, picked carefully for just that reason. But there's nine of us here. They can't kill nine guys to get that insurance. Suki, this looks like a legitimate business. Rockland hires us. We work here. We're insured for small amounts, sure. Nine men add up to $9,000 in policies. And how do we know how many more places there are like this? Ah, it's nuts. It don't make sense. It'd be on a murder rap, sure as shooting. The insurance company would What if on. it's an accident? <laughs> What kind of an accident would kill nine guys at once? That's so what we've got to find out. Don't you see? Red got that letter from you. They found out about it. Red must have talked to the mission, and to keep anyone from finding out where you were, Red was killed and your letter taken off of him. Dirty. What do you want me to do? We've got to look this place over. Tonight. That night, Suki and I got out of bed before the checker came around. We made a quick tour and found out it was a Perfect setup for a fire. Sure. A fire. Locked doors. Barred windows. Men trapped in there, and it would be it would be just an accident. What could anybody prove? Anybody who set up a gimmick as clever as this one would have all the angles covered and his tracks wiped out. But what are we gonna do? We can't get out. We're watched every minute. We've got to get out soon. If we don't, we're cooked. And I mean cooked. Tell the other guys there's nine of us, only three of them. No, Suki, we've got to pretend we're still patsies for them. Let them think we're not wise. And don't tell anybody, Suki. Suki and I worked out a plan. The bars on the washroom windows. How's it coming, Dan? Yeah, pretty good. Chipping away the stone with a nail is slow work. Just three bars. Get three bars loose. That's all we need. Suki worked while I watched, and I worked while he watched. We finally got three bars loose. It was working against time because I was sure the thing would happen any time now. And I was right. Dan, Dan, you awake? I haven't slept for three nights. What's up? It's after 12, and the checker ain't been around. Okay, then tonight's the night. Hey, wait a minute. Out and wait a minute. Smell that? Smoke. Come on, Suki, get the other men up. This fire trap will burn like tinder in two minutes. Hurry. Yeah. Hey, you guys. You guys, wake up. Come on. Come on, wake up. Listen, there's a fire. Fire. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. There's a fire, but we'll all get out of here if you'll keep your heads. Suki, open the door. It's locked, Dan. All right, everybody. We've got to break that door in. Then go to the washroom. Three bars are loose. And then take your time getting out, and we'll all make it. All right, let's go. All right, let's go. 
Out of the washroom. The other door's too heavy for us. Come on. We got out not too soon. The fire was eating that old trap as though it were a shoebox then. Hey, Dan, look. They're getting away. Don't let them. Hey, stop those men. Don't let them get to the car. Come on. They got guns, the dirty rats. They can't get away. Head them off at the garage. Head them off. Hold him, Suki. Okay. Now you're going to talk. About what? You'll see. Men. Listen, men. This fire was deliberately set to trap us, kill us. I'll tell you why later, but these are the men who did it. What do we do with them? Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. You want to talk? Yeah, I'll, I'll only keep them away from me. Suki, talk to the rest of the men. But it wasn't over. There was still one thing to be done. Rockland couldn't know things had gone wrong, so I set up a little surprise party for him. Suki and I went to him. Yes, I... Yeah. What are you doing here? Having fun? Why aren't you at work? Let me move in on him, Dan. Let me get my... Hold it, Suki. Rockland, it didn't work. What's the matter with you? It didn't work, I said. Everyone got out. Fine, fine. Got out of what? The fire. And one of your men talked, Rockland. He talked plenty. Oh? Well, it doesn't matter because you bums won't live to talk about it. Dan, look out. Hey, Dan. Yeah. Okay. But you can shoot straighter than that, Kling. Lots straighter. My hand. My hand. Yeah, I can shoot straighter. But this is one guy I want to save. See how he likes bars on windows. Men have escaped from that awful house? Sure, Susie, sure. But when he did, he'd end up in an accident like Red. Oh. What are you thinking about, Mr. Holliday? Hmm? Oh, nothing, Susie. I was just saying goodbye to a friend. Huh? Oh, Suki. He wouldn't stay? No, he wouldn't. Oh, and that reminds me. Make out a check to the Hope Rescue Mission. Okay. For how much? I see two weeks, room and board. I, I think that's what I owe. Oh, and Susie, tack on enough for a melodeon, will you? Uh-huh. Can I do it after lunch? Sure. Hey, what are we having? Soup. Huh? Oh, good night, Susie. Next week, same time, through the courtesy of Paramount Pictures, Alan Ladd stars as Dan Holliday in Box 13. Box 13 is directed by Richard Sandbell with an original story by Russell Hughes. Original music is composed and conducted by Rudy Schrager. The part of Susie is played by Sylvia Picker, and that of Lieutenant Kling by Edmund McDonald. Production is supervised by Vern Carstensen. This is a Mayfair production from Hollywood. Watch for Alan Ladd in his latest Paramount picture. In a moment, you'll hear James Stewart as the Six Shooter, just one of many fine programs brought to you each week on NBC. Tomorrow night, there's top comedy entertainment with The Bob Hope Show, The Phil Harris, Alice Faye Show, and Can You Top This with Senator Ford. Bob Hope delivers rapid-fire comedy routines, while Phil Harris and Alice Faye bring both mirth and music. It's a great Friday night lineup of comedy programs, all of them heard only on NBC.
James Stewart as the Six Shooter. The man in the saddle is angular and long-legged. His skin is sun-dyed brown. The gun in his holster is gray steel and rainbow mother of pearl. Its handle unmarked. People call them both the Six Shooter. The NBC Radio Network presents James Stewart as the Six Shooter, a transcribed series of radio dramas based on the life of Britt Pontus the Texas plainsman who wandered through the Western territories, leaving behind a trail of still-remembered legends. We weren't exactly laws, scarn me. Well, uh, not completely, anyhow. I had a sort of a general idea of our whereabouts, but I must have taken a wrong turn back at Glen Forks for we'd have reached Minton by now. The trouble was I'd never covered the southern part of the state before, and so for the last half hour I sort of kept my eyes peeled for a ranch where I could get my bearings. I hadn't spotted any signs of civilization, though. There didn't seem to be any settlers along the trail. And when I finally did come within sight of a house, I almost missed it. I Star, he didn't. He was thirsty and he could smell water. What's the matter, boy? What's the matter? What? Oh. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh. It was about a quarter of a mile east, nearly hidden in a crop of cottonwoods. Large, rambling, two-story building, sort of gray-colored, like it had been white once and needed a coat of paint. Ah. Begin to wonder whether anybody still lived here. Easy, boy. Easy. Easy now. The steps leading up to the porch were cracked and broken. And a hole in the side window was stuffed with newspaper to keep the wind out. Hello? Anybody home? Who? Who is it? What do you want? Well, just some directions, ma'am. I'm looking for a trail to Menton. Oh, a minute. Trail to Minton, sir? Yes, ma'am. You should have turned east at Glen Forks. Oh, all right. Trail past here is the old one. Four miles longer and nobody uses it anymore. I see. Well, as long as it goes to Minton anyway. Four miles longer and nobody uses it nowadays. Yes, ma'am. It would still be shorter than going all the way back to Glen Forks, wouldn't it? I I guess so. Yes, well, thanks, ma'am. Oh, uh... Oh, ma'am. Yes? Uh, you don't have to have some extra water, do you, from a horse? Yeah. It's pump out and back. I'll show you. Oh, no, no need for you to trouble yourself. I'll find it. Come on, Clark. No trouble, monsieur. Uh, uh, Ponsett, ma'am. Britt Ponsett. Ponsett? I think I've heard my husband speak of you. Oh. You can use that bucket. Oh, here it is. Thanks. We've had a dry summer. Very dry. It'll take a while for it to start drawing. Sure, sure. Brit Ponsett. I'm certain the general mentioned your name. The general? I'm Hannah Guilford. General Guilford's wife. Oh. Oh, well, I'm very pleased to meet you, Mrs. Guilford. Then 
Then you do know William. I knew him, yes. Yes, ma'am. I, I knew him when he was in command of Fort Clark. That was a couple of years before he... Fort Clark. I wasn't with him there. William thought it would be too dangerous. Indian. Uh-huh, uh-huh. The general will be very pleased when I tell him to stop by. He's... He's taking a nap he now, and I'd hate to wake him. But if you're going to be in Netton, well, perhaps some other day... But uh, I, I don't quite understand, ma'am. I I, I thought that I, I'm in... Don't believe me, do you? You're like all the others. You think he's dead. You think the Cheyenne killed him. No, no, Miss Gilbert. I, I tell you, he's alive. General William Gilbert's still alive. Well... Anna Guilford wasn't the first woman to get rocked off balance by the shock of her husband's death. I was kind of surprised that she wasn't over it by now. It's been five years since the massacre at Red Hills. Five years since William Guilford and his cavalry regiment have been wiped out the last man. Easy, boy. Easy. Oh, I had not? All right, come on. Anyway, I fled Scar away from the pump and I started to climb into the saddle. Just then, the front door opened again. Huh. She looked different now, somehow. Clear-eyed, calm, sensible. Mr. Ponson? Yes, ma'am? I wonder if you'd do me a favor. Well, I'd be happy to, Miss Guilford. I've made a list of some supplies I need from Trailer's General Store in Hinton. Would you ask Mr. Trailer to bring them out first thing in the morning? Oh, certainly, ma'am. Here. My husband and I were planning to take the buckboard into town this afternoon, but I don't think he's up to the drive. This way you'll save us the trip. You're sure you don't mind? No, no, not a bit, not a bit. Oh. Bye, Miss Gilford. Bye. Don't forget to tell Mr. Trailer first thing in the morning. That's when I want them. <laughs> She's not getting this stuff first thing in the morning or any other time. No? I can't go on supporting Hannah Guilford for the rest of her life, Mr. Ponsett. You can see that. Sure, sure. I know the general was a hero. Give his life fighting for the rest of us. But there's a limit. Uh, feeding her ain't enough. I have to send food for him, too. Yeah, well, I'm afraid I don't understand, Mr. Trailer. Well, look at this here list of hers. Yeah, right here. Two steaks for the general. You know how thick to cut them. Oh, I see. Well, I'm not saying don't feel sorry for her, living out there all alone, cooking meals for him. There's talk she even sets his place at the table. Well, what is... But she's carrying on like this for five years, Mr. Ponsett, refusing to believe that he's dead, pretending that we're the ones who are crazy because we tell her the truth about him. Mm-hmm. Now, now, we all thought, the folks here in town, that is... We thought she'd come to her senses long before this, but she don't. She seems to get worse all the time. No, that's too bad, isn't it? Yeah. And it's not good for the town, either. Well, how's that? Well, you know how kids are. Oh? They they get ideas. Well, some of them have been sneaking out to the Guilford Ranch, and they claim they've seen the general's ghost. Oh. Yeah. Next thing, it won't be just the kids who are talking that kind of foolishness. Mr. Ponsett? I've heard her carry on a conversation with the general. Is that so? Yeah. Sometimes when I come up to the house with a load of food, she's 
chattering away like he was right there in the same room with her. Gives a man a peculiar feeling. Uh, that's all there is to it. Yeah, yeah, sure was. <clears throat> you don't think it's wrong of me not to give her the grub? No, it sounds like you've done about all you can for her, Mr. Trailer. Besides, it ain't just the food. It's a six-mile ride out there. And I have to close up my store while I'm gone and lose all that trade. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Why, it... Oh, what's the use? I keep saying I won't do it again. Keep telling myself I'll put my foot down for good and all, but I never do. I get to thinking about the general and how much we all owe him. Then I get to thinking about Hannah, too. How pretty she was when they got married. She's young and pretty. She was a lot younger than him, you know. Only about 20 at the time of the wedding. Let's see, that was 17... No, it was 18 years ago. 18? Well, it, you mean she... What does that make it? You, you mean she's only 38 now? Yeah, somewhere's in there. They're not much older anyway. You wouldn't think it to look at her, would you, Mr. Ponsett? You wouldn't think she was once the prettiest girl in Minton, now would you? Well, I guess she's been through a lot. Yeah, yeah, I guess she has. Well, I suppose I might as well start getting her order together... If I have it all ready to take out there in the morning, I won't miss much business. <laughs> Fact the matter is, I won't miss any business. <laughs> Seems how I got the only general store here in Minton. Say, if it'd be of any help to you, Mr. Trailer, I could drive out to the Guilford Ranch tonight and deliver the supplies. No, 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 no. I wouldn't want to put you out. No, I haven't got anything else to do. The cattle I'm waiting for haven't showed up yet. Probably won't be here before morning. Well, if you're sure it won't be an imposition. No, not all. No, I'd take myself, but after seven before I close up, and then by the time I had supper, it makes it so darn late. Sure, I understand. It'll only take me a few minutes to fill her orders. Oh, uh... Why don't you just dip into that cookie barrel there while you wait? I left Scar at the living stable and trailer loaded the grub for Mr. Guilford into the buckboard. And I started off for the ranch. The sun had gone down by the time I got there. It wasn't dark yet, though. You could still see yellow and red over behind the mountains. But the evening star was getting brighter and brighter. Whoa, whoa, whoa now. Uh, I thought, sure, I... she must have heard me when I drove into the yard, but the front door hadn't opened yet, so I climbed off the seat. Walked up those broken steps onto the porch. And the next thing I... Oh. You can't what? live on charity forever, will you? Got to do something about the ranch so it'll find some way of getting it in shape again. Pick up his money. I figured it was one of those conversations Trailer had told me about, but Hannah was talking to herself, pretending her husband was with her. And I I felt kind of peculiar, too, the way Trailer said he felt. And I raised my hand to knock, and then all of a sudden I heard something else. Something that told me I figured wrong. Well, it's been five years. Don't you think I know how long it's been? Five years, you call it. To me, it's been 50. Well, there wasn't much doubt about who that voice belonged to. Even though I hadn't heard it since Fort Clark, Hannah Guilford wasn't pretending. 
And she wasn't talking to herself either. She was talking to her husband. We'll return to James Stewart as the sick tutor in just a moment. It is the busy folks particularly who should listen to this bit of advice from the American Cancer Society. Regular physical examinations are important in the fight against cancer. Medical science today can cure many cancers if treatment is started soon enough. In other words, to cure cancer, it has to be discovered in its early stages. Regular physical examinations are one of the best ways in the world of detecting the condition in time. Another way is by knowing cancer's seven danger signals. If you'd like a free list of them, plus a lot of other life-saving information, write today to the American Cancer Society in care of your local postmaster. Providing information to fight cancer is part of the American Cancer Society's job. Other vital parts of its job are to provide research, education, and service to cancer patients. You can help in the fight to beat cancer. This is Cancer Control Month by proclamation of Congress. To help, please send a contribution now to Cancer in care of your local postmaster. Now, Act Two of The Sick Shooter, starring James Stewart as Britt Ponsett. Well, for a minute or so, I just stood there in the Guilford porch listening. Like everybody else, I thought General Guilford was dead, that he'd been killed by the Cheyennes when his regiment was wiped out. Why, there was even a monument to him in the cemetery in Minton. I'd seen it that afternoon as a road passed there. You know as well as I do, Hannah, we can't sell the ranch and we can't move away. If we were foolish enough to try that, why... Well, whatever the explanation was, it didn't need to concern me, and I turned and started for the buckboard... Right then, one of those cracked porch steps decided to give way. Well, I managed to keep my balance, but I'd made enough racket to drown out half a dozen conversations. Oh, uh, Mr. Ponson. Oh, uh, evening, ma'am. What do you want? Why did you come back? Well, I uh, brought the things you ordered from town. I thought I'd save Mr. Trailer a trip. Oh, I... I told the general you were here this afternoon. I, I was just talking about you, as a matter of fact. Yes, ma'am, I know. You know. I heard you, uh, and the general. Oh. Here, I'll help you get this stuff unloaded. Never mind. Why? Don't bother with it now, Mr. Ponson. Just come into the house, please. Now, look, Mrs. Guilford, I didn't mean to be eavesdropping Doesn't here. matter. Somebody was bound to discover the truth. I thought it would happen before this. I almost hoped it would. This way, Mr. Ponson. Yes, ma'am. I followed Hannah Guilford through the front door. The general was sitting on the horsehair sofa. He hadn't aged at all since I last saw him. Funny, the years had speeded up on his wife, but they'd stopped dead still for him. But when he saw me, he got to his feet and he slipped on an army blouse and even though the cloth had been patched and mended a dozen times, the jacket was still neatly pressed. It still looked military. Hello, Britt. General? You heard us talking, William. You heard your voice, too. I see. Why did it have to be you, Britt? Well, I, I, I don't quite understand. 
Anybody else? People would say it was their imagination, that they'd heard a ghost. But they'd never say that Britt Ponsett was imagining things. They'd believe you if you told them I was still alive. Oh, you never know what people are going to believe, General. What difference does it make now, William? Somebody was sure to find out sooner or later. Be quiet, Hannah. I, I want to think. There's nothing to think about. We have to face the truth, that's all. We? I'll stand by you. Always have, haven't I? Yes, my dear, yes. You, you've been very loyal. But I'm the one they'll court-martial. Not you. Court- Not both of us. Court-martial? The army doesn't look very favorably on desertion, Britt. Oh? It was an accident, of course. I, it wasn't intentional. It shouldn't have happened, I know, but my being there wouldn't have made any difference. They'd have all been killed anyway, and me along with them. I see. You weren't at the massacre then? No. I hadn't been feeling well for several days. I didn't know what it was, and the army doctor with us hadn't been able to help me, so I was riding for Browning when when it happened. Yeah? If I had expected the Indians to attack, if I had had any idea there were so many of them, I would never have left my men. The scouts told us only seven or eight hundred. They said the Cheyennes were breaking camp, preparing to withdraw. If I had known there were so many, I would never have left. Yes, but I... How do you think I felt when that corporal caught up with me? The only man who escaped the slaughter. How do you think I felt when he told me what had happened and then died in my arms? Well, maybe if he hadn't died, he'd been able to get help. I went back to them. Back to my men. I saw what had happened with my own eyes. It was horrible. Mutilation. Awful. They were my responsibility, but it wasn't my fault. It wouldn't have made any difference if I had been there. But you should have explained it to the army. I was going to. I wanted to be sure that Hannah understood first. That she was prepared for the shock when the news came out. Then, then by the time I got there, it was too late. Too late. They were saying I was a hero. That I had died with my men. And if I had gone to the army, if I had told them my story, I wasn't sure they'd believe me. They might think I had deserted in the face of enemy fire. There was no one to back me up. No one. I couldn't go to the army. It was too late. I couldn't go to them. So you just stayed on here, Heidi. You don't know what I've gone through. Oh, I've had my punishment worse than any court-martial could give me. Living in darkness for five years, never seeing another person but Hannah, never talking to anybody else. Five years without smelling fleas or feeling rain or having a cavalry horse under me. But your wife kept claiming you were alive. You knew that, didn't you? Of course I knew it. It was part of my plan. We had to have food enough for both of us. Clothes, me. That was the way Hannah could get them, I say. Tell everybody I'm alive, I said. Tell them I'm here with you. They'll only think you're crazy. Even if they should see me, if they should stumble onto the truth, they'll never believe it. My wife is a good actress, isn't she, Britt? But no longer, not anymore, William. What do you mean, my dear? You said yourself folks will believe, Mr. Ponce. I said they would believe him. Would? Turn up the lamp, Hannah. My eyes aren't as good as they once were, Britt. I guess eyes need lots of daylight. Well, uh, I... Please, don't go yet. 
What's that gun for, General? A man changes a lot in five years. Some men do. Five years ago, if I had been forced to go back to the army, take my medicine, I'd have been able to do it. But now I can't, Britt. As miserable as I am here, as terrible as this life is, I won't give it up. Put it away, William. Put the gun away. If you fire, if you shoot Mr. Ponson, I'll know that you've lied to me all these years. It was your fault. The massacre, I'll know that you really are a coward. Go into the other room, Hannah. This does not concern you. What concern me? I loved you, William. Even after you came back after what happened, I still loved you. Now I know, tonight I know, I don't love you any longer. Any more than you love me. Hannah. Look at me, William. Look at my face, my hair. These five years have done that to me. You've done it to me. You mustn't upset yourself, Hannah. Another year or two, we'll be able to leave Minton, live somewhere else. People won't recognize me then. People will always recognize you. Why do you think you have an age? Why do you think you look just the same? It's so people will always be able to tell who you are and you'll never feel safe. That's your punishment, William Gilford. I'm leaving now, General. No, Rich, you're not. Dad, kill him! What's one more life to you? What's one more life to a man who left a whole regiment of soldiers to die? Your husband's not going to kill anybody, Mrs. Guilford. He said he'd changed in the last five years. Well, I think he has changed. I think he's become such a coward that even the sound of a gunshot would scare him half to death. being particularly brave walking out in the channel like that. You can pretty much tell what a man's going to do when he's holding a gun. The way his eyes look at you. And Gilford's eyes weren't staring at me like he meant business. I started to close the front door and I just glanced back over my shoulder as I did it. Guilford was walking up the stairs. He was almost at the top, and then all of a sudden he kind of stumbled. Guilford! It's too late for that. No! No, it can't be. Better let me put him on the sofa here. William! <laughs> you have any brandy, Mrs. Gilbert? Here now, now. Miss Gilbert. Brandy? Yes, ma'am. I think so. On the side there. All right, I'll get it. Yes. Yes, give William some brandy and then he'll be all right. He will be all right, won't he, Mr. Ponson? Here, drink this. Me? I'm not sick. It's William who's sick. It's William who needs the brandy. The general's dead, Mrs. Gilford. No, no, you're wrong. That's just what people think. That's what we want them to think. But he isn't dead. He's here with me. He lives here in this house. Well, you've got to get a hold of yourself, Mrs. Gilbert. Why do these people keep saying the general is no, dead? Come on, get a hold of yourself stop, here. Stop shaking me. Stop it. But I didn't stop. I went right on shaking your heart oh. harder and harder until I thought you were going to faint. And then 
for, for a second she went limp and let out a pitiful little moan. And then she straightened up and her expression changed. It was sort of like a window curtain being pulled back from in front of her eyes. I'm... I'm all right now, Mr. Well, I'm, I'm sorry if I hurt you any. You had to do it. If you hadn't, I don't know what would happen. Well, you, you'd better ride back into town with me and spend the night in there, and we can send somebody back here to take care of the general. I can't, Mr. Powell. I just can't let folks find out about it. Yeah, well, I'm afraid it's got to come out now. He left his men to die at the massacre. He was ashamed to admit it. But he's been hiding here ever since. Isn't there some way we can leave him as he was? Anyway, at all. Well, I... I don't know. I just... Under the circumstances, it's Not for myself. To... I don't care what happens to me. What they say about me, but he... The general had been a good soldier once. A fine soldier. What good would it be to destroy that? Well, I know, but I... It's just... just... Oh. Uh. Here, you'd better be careful there, Miss Gilford. What? Well, that table with the lamp on it, you almost knocked it over there. And, uh... If the lamp should get broken, you know, this whole place would probably go up in smoke before we could do anything about it. It wouldn't matter. The ranch doesn't mean anything to me. Not now. I could never live here again anyway. Yes, well, uh, all the same, we have to be careful, you know. Fire is very dangerous. Yes, yes, it is. Fire. Uh, here, now, wh- what are you doing? Now, put that lamp down. Fire. Come on, come on. Better hurry up and get out of here. Come on. Of course, they found the general's body in the ruins, but they didn't know who it was. And the report got around that it was a tramp tried to force his way into the house and she'd shot him. And the fire had been started during the scuffle. Everybody seemed satisfied by that. And, uh, as long as nobody asked me, I didn't feel obliged to volunteer any additional information. The next time I came back to Menton, I... By George, I could hardly recognize Hannah Guilford. She, she was working in Trailer's General Store. And, uh... Oh, she looked a good eight, ten years younger than she had before. There was even talk about her and Mr. Trailer getting married. <laughs> Seems that uh, after the fire, well, she sort of got a hold of herself and faced up to the fact that the general was dead. At least that's how Trailer explained it to me. He said that the, the tramp breaking in on her had done some good. He showed me the fellow's grave. It was right in the shadow of the monument to General William Guilford.
transcribed NBC Radio Network production in association with Review Productions. It is based on a character created by Frank Burke and is written by him. Mr. Stewart may currently be seen in the Universal International picture, The Glenn Miller Story. Others in the cast were Virginia Gregg, Harley Bear, and Robert Griffin. Special music for this program was by Basil Adler, and the entire production is under the direction of Jack Johnstone. All characters and incidents were fictitious, and any resemblance to actual characters or incidents is purely coincidental. Oh, by the way, you'll be interested in knowing that the six-shooter has been chosen for broadcast to our men overseas through the facilities of the Armed Forces Radio Services. This is John Wall speaking. Tonight, play Truth or Consequences with Ralph Edwards on the NBC Radio Network. That's it for this episode of the Relic Radio Show. I'll be back next Tuesday with another one. Between now and then, there's more from Box 13, The Six Shooter, all of the other Relic Radio podcasts, and our Shoutcast stream, all available at relicradio.com. While you're there, if you'd like to help support this and all of the shows, help all of this keep coming every week, visit donate.relicradio.com or click on one of the links on the website. Your support makes it all happen. Thanks again to those who have helped out, and thanks for joining me this week. Be back next Tuesday with another episode of the Relic Radio Show.